Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by Carrier. Turn to the experts. Mike, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, we, we've got several uh, walkways and sidewalks that are pretty old. And we're either looking at getting them totally replaced or uh, wanted to know your opinion about getting a mud jack. Well, I do mud jack and I do urethane injection, and, and it's used a lot on sidewalks and things like that. Here's what you have to look at. Is the surface in good shape still? In other words, it's not blistering off and, and uh, cracked up and stuff. It, it's just that the sidewalk is moved. Yeah, for the most part. There's, you know, I think one crack. Okay. Yeah, and I don't worry about a, a single crack like that. If the concrete itself is in good shape and, you know, has a decent surface still, then the urethane or mud pumping is something you can look at. I can tell you sidewalks typically don't mud pump very well. The urethane pretty good, but not mud pump because there's not a... For mud pumping to work... It's got to be in a confined space that holds the mud in and and lets it pressure up. Urethane expands, and so it will lift on its own without having to be totally confined like mud pumping does. Uh, but price it both ways. Depending on how much of it you have to do, if you're doing just a small project, it's actually cheaper to replace the concrete. If you're getting into larger areas and not necessarily every square foot of it has to be moved, then the urethane becomes more cost-effective. Jim? Yes, sir? How can I help you? I got a real dumb question. I'm 80 years old, and I watch TV too much. Uh, The foam. I have a two-story house. It's already got all the insulation, and it works good. Mm -hmm. And I see on TV that that foam that they're doing would that behoove me at all to to do that to my house are you talking about the retrofit that you're seeing usa foam on those commercials okay yeah if you have an older home that has say r11 or an older home that has no insulation absolutely it would behoove you to put that in Um, some of the newer homes were running r13 uh, you could get some benefit, but you're getting so close to uh, n- not. It would take so long to break even that yes, at that point I would probably say no, I wouldn't do it unless there's a secondary reason, which is noise abatement. Then it would be worth it. No, I just saw it on TV and I thought it looked good, and and it might. Oh, they're doing a heck of a job a marketing of, it. Yeah, I see. I see a lot of things that look good. From from hamburgers to you name it. But yeah. I, I just wanted to ask somebody that knows what they're talking about because my wife says, call Jim. Yeah. No, it, it it is designed for older homes. You know, homes that were built prior to the 60s had no insulation in the walls at all. So yeah. you my, can my really. Has a, has a yeah. House. My daughter has a house and Tyler has built in the 50s. Yeah. There's no insulation. Ideal that, that for her home. Her. Absolutely. Yes, sir. You know, and, and me, just to give you an idea on something like that, if you're running in a house like that, 
you're running a $400 a month electric bill because it, it costs a lot to keep a house like that cool. You put that insulation yeah. in and it will drop that electric bill probably down to 150, 200 bucks. I mean, it, it'll make that big yeah. a difference. But on a home like yours where you're already running R13, uh, so it's, it's uh, insulated well, newer home, you might save a few bucks a month. Uh, I would say probably in the neighborhood of 40, 50 bucks uh, if you're keeping your thermostat set at 72, 73. So the yeah, number sure. of years it takes for it to pay for itself just doesn't justify it. Okay, well, I just wondered, was there any benefit to it? And yeah, and you answered you answered my question. All righty, Jim, you have a merry Christmas. You too, sir, and thank you, you for bet. taking my call. I appreciate it. Thank Bye-bye. you, sir. Bye. Again, seven one three two one two five eight seven four. And by the way, if you have an older home, a home built in the you know prior to the '60s or into the '60s where you've got some of the first insulations and stuff, I absolutely recommend using that retrofit foam in the walls all the time because in the attic you can just add fiberglass. Don't put foam where you can easily add fiberglass. Don't encapsulate the whole house in foam. But spot used in the walls like that, you know, know, do all the walls and leave the attic fiberglass, oh, Man, will you have an energy-efficient home. We're going to head over to Cyprus. John, how can I help you? Uh, Yes, I had a question about uh, a covered patio that I'm building right now. Uh, Is there much of a value in putting a radiant barrier on it? You know, what are you going to build it out of? It's going to be aluminum or a wooden one? It's going to be wood. Okay. If you put the radiant barrier on there, uh, what you would do is go ahead and put your your uh, joist up there and everything put the radiant mm-hmm. barrier over the top of it or you can put it on top of the plywood or whatever you're putting up there but yes uh, it actually will make a big difference because what the shingles and everything heat up or whatever roofing yeah. material you're going to use and that mm-hmm. becomes a shield between that heat and where you're going to be sitting so you you kill all that radiant heat coming in pete welcome to texas home improvement Hey, Jim. Uh, just had, uh, never had this happen before, but the wife was doing a load of laundry, and when it uh, emptied out the water, uh, the toilet started uh, bubbling, and some water came up in the bathtub and shower. Ah. You got a blockage. What do I got? <laughs> so it yeah, needs to be snaked, probably? Yeah. You, you've got a blockage where more than likely... It's still letting water pass by, but yeah. when a washing machine discharges, you know, it dumps quite a bit of water rapidly, yeah. and so it wasn't able to take it all, and that's why it started backing up. The gurgling you were hearing in the toilet is because as the lines pass backing up, it's it's uh, having to release the air somewhere, and the vent might be a okay. little bit too far away from the toilet to let it vent properly. Okay. Um, wouldn't be a clogged vent anywhere. It's probably uh, it, top nah, of the main drain. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a plug in the main drain, probably. Okay. Okay. Well, I will get a hold of somebody who can come snake it. I guess. All righty. Good luck with that one, Pete. 
Just a reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Alan, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Thanks, Jim. Um, after listening to you, I've actually got a separate question. I hope it's okay. Absolutely. Um, talking about fences, do you need, if it's an older fence, do you need to pressure wash it? I see people pressure washing them. Do you need to pressure wash it before you reseal it? Well, the main reason to do that is to get all the dirt and grime off so that the um, product soaks in better. Okay. And so typically, yeah, I do recommend cleaning it up first. Okay. And if it's an old fence that's grayed, uh, that will help to take off some of the grain. But you can also use a bleach and water mixture to put onto it that will help take out some of the grain as well. So when you do uh, stain and seal it, it, it just looks new again and you know holds up much better. On the bleach and water, what kind of ratio... Uh, usually like a three to one, three water, one bleach. Okay. My my original question, Jim, was, so my garage gets really hot here in Texas, and I've been here about five years, and it just it seems to bake. Yep. Um, I know there's products that you can line your garage door with. Does that make a big difference? Huge. Uh, it, it. You got a metal door? Yes. Yeah, see that metal when it gets hot? It's, it's just like a, a griddle pushing that hot air inside. So if you'll use, and, and it doesn't, it's not expensive. Go to the box stores and get you some of that bubble wrap radiant barrier. Yeah. And you can put that over that metal door. On the inside, if you look, you know, the outside of the door has a flush piece that's the full height of the door. Then it turns at each section, comes in, and there's a little turn down of about three quarters of an inch on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. You you take that that uh, bubble wrap type radiant barrier, stretch it across there, and use sheet metal screws to screw it onto that inside lip. It gives you a dead air space between the outside and the uh, radiant barrier, and it'll lower your garage temperature probably 15 degrees. Well, they. You know, like those spaces, they're like, you know, two-foot height right, uh, or, or something. They make styrofoam that you can fit in there as well. You can. Would that be, would that be as well to it, do? It doesn't do as good because, remember, a styrofoam gives you an R rating. And once the heat right. has traveled through it, it'll continue to go and, okay. and just heat up. A radiant barrier has an E rating and uh, okay. a, a foil type radiant barrier like that with a bubble will typically block 95 to 97% of the heat coming in all okay, the so time. Use the, use the bubble radiant barrier. Yep. Okay. okay. I appreciate you. You bet. Have a Merry Christmas, Alan. Okay. So we had somebody call in asking about tornado shelters. Should you let the, manufacturer pick and uh, you know how it gets installed and everything and the short answer is absolutely and here's why uh, they designed the system to be installed a certain way to withstand the storms 
And whether it's one that is designed to go underground or one that's designed to be anchored to the garage slab or whatever, you have to go by exactly what the manufacturer's recommendation is in order for that thing to really do what you need it to do if the storm does come. So if they tell you that, hey, you need to use eight three-quarter, and I'm not pulling this from any specs of anything, eight three-quarter inch bolts, four inches into the concrete, that's exactly what you need to do. And if they tell you to make sure you put this in a corner with stud walls on two sides of it, rather than putting it in the middle of a wall where you got a stud wall only on one, that's what you need to do because it's designed for the wind loads in that corner. Now, a lot of storm shelters are underground. I, I know they do have the ones that you can mount, but... Um, you know, if, you, if you're wanting one, absolutely follow exactly what the manufacturer says. In some cases, the manufacturers will come out and do the installation for you. So you may want to check into that as well. I have a 10-year-old natural gas water heater. And uh, to reduce sediment buildup, every year, year and a half, I would drain the sediment from the units. During the last couple of months, I've had increased popping noises when they're reheating after usage. How concerned should I be about this? Is it a sign that I should replace the units during the next month uh, or months? I would hope that one doesn't suddenly develop a material leak given the overflow pans underneath them do not appear to be made of any serious leak, being able to handle very serious leaks. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. One, the pans do not handle real serious leaks, but most leaks in water heaters start as just a drip. So what I do recommend to everybody is put a sensor in those pans that shuts the water off to the water heater if it starts dripping. That way you know as soon as water is getting into that pan. Two, if you're going to drain the sediment, you need to be doing it like every 6 to 12 months. A year to year and a half gets too far apart and it is building up and that's what the popping is. And don't even worry about it because all that is is the sediment expanding and contracting. Nothing to lose any sleep over. We'll be back in a moment. Carol, welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Uh, thank you very much. Um, I have a question. I have um, two air conditioning units in Galveston. The upstairs unit, um, I guess, uh, feeds directly up through the attic with the return air and so forth. And that little closet, one side is sheet, two sides are sheetrock, one side's a little door. And then one is adjacent to a pocket door that it doesn't have green board or any kind of sheetrock. So there's a transfer of heat and coolness. I've stuck a bunch of uh, insulation up in the attic because there was a gap of about six inches around that vent that went up into the attic. And it is still creating tons of mildew, both on the back side of the pocket door, the door that goes into a little closet. And I don't, and the unit itself is very cold in the summer. So I don't know if there's some kind of air conditioning blanket or I just need to seal it up better in the attic with more insulation. Just wanted to kind of get your ideas of how to address that uh, mildew issue. Uh, let me ask you a quick question. Is this a gas furnace? No, electric. Okay. Um, why is there a vent going up into the attic then? Um, good question. I don't know. I, I gather it's going up to get all the ductwork up there. Okay, so it, it's it's the return, not or the uh, the ductwork, not not a not a necessarily a vent. Then 
It's a yeah, it's a ductwork, but there is a thermostat upstairs, and so that's a second unit upstairs. But at right. the base of that is the return air. But okay. it's the the unit itself that's creating the the moisture, the upper part of that uh, closet. Okay. Uh, and you're you're saying that the unit itself is getting real cold, and is it is the unit itself sweating as well? Yes, very much. Okay. Get your AC person out to take a look at it. Because okay. there's a couple things that I'm I'm thinking can be going on here. One, uh, there could be the a there could be some insulation issues in the unit itself, and so it's getting okay. too much cold air onto the sheet metal, which is allowing it to sweat. Okay. Normally, that's not a a, a huge issue though, and especially being in a closet unit like that. Um, it shouldn't be happening, and that's the reason I'm saying you need to go ahead and and get somebody out to take a look at it because a closet unit is is typically considered hey it's in air conditioned space, and so it it shouldn't be having all of these type of issues like you just described to me, and so yeah. it tells me something's not something's not ventilated properly there or not insulated properly one or the other. Yeah, the unit's about 15 years old, and there is that gap um, with that unit that when it goes up to the attic, there right. is a gap. So I feel like some of the heat's coming directly from the attic. Oh, no know, question. And, yeah. Okay. Um, but what the the insulation I'm talking about is actually on the the metalwork of the AC oh. unit itself. You know, it'll normally have like a, a a little one inch layer of insulation in the critical areas to keep the cool air from hitting the hot air, which causes it to sweat. Okay, it doesn't have any insulation on the metal part. Uh, not on the inside? No, when I open the closet door and look at that metal part. Yeah, no, you, and you wouldn't see it. You'd have to take the unit oh, apart to see it. Got it. Should I just buy a new unit? I mean, I'm getting well, if it's uh, you, hit a, you hit a key thing. It's 15 years old. Yeah. Uh, I sure wouldn't stick much money into a 15-year-old system. Yeah. Uh, simply because the technology is old. The mm-hmm. efficiency of it is old. You know, if it, and to give you an example, a 15 year old system was probably an R13 system when it was put in. It's Correct. Pr- probably operating as an R8. Or okay. I'm saying R8. I'm talking in uh, a SEER rating was 13 SEER, and now it's probably operating as an 8 SEER. Where if you bought a new one, minimum SEER rating right now is 14. And I think it's on the first of the year where it's actually going up to 15. Okay. One question, if I do get a new unit, do I have, do I need them to make sure they close off that six-inch gap that's all the way around the perimeter that goes into the attic? No, because that, like... that may be required by code. Oh, okay. Okay. And, the, okay, and that was the reason I was asking you, is this a gas unit? Because if it was a gas unit, without question, it was required by code. Got it. Okay. Very good. Well, thank you. I appreciate the time. You bet. Take care. George, this is Jim. Welcome to Texas Home Improvement. Hello, Jim. I was wanting to tell your listeners a quick story. I was looking at new houses over in Pasadena a year, year and a half ago, and uh, I was at the sales office, and a Due West truck pulled up, and a gentleman got out, walked up the sidewalk, and I said, Due West. That's a pretty good company. I said, you ever listen to Jim Dutton? And the young lady <laughs> on the sidewalk started laughing. I said, I remember talking like with you. <laughs> I said, 
don't be laughing at old people. And then I said, are you Jim Dutton? And you said, yes. And you gave me your card, and I made you autograph it. Yeah, you because did. nobody I, believed me. You know, I, I, I remember looking at, uh, I remember meeting you over there uh, at the corner of uh, Red Bluff and uh, Fairmont there at the, mm-hmm. that, uh, where they're putting in that new neighborhood. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, I really enjoyed talking with you. And uh, what you see is what you get with you. And I do appreciate the information you're giving out. Well, I appreciate you calling in, George. You take care and have a good Christmas. You as well. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Bye. And again, our number is 713-212-5874. And yeah, I would, that, gosh, that was probably about a year and about a year and a half ago because it was summertime. Uh, that neighborhood was just getting started and uh, wanted to take a look and see what they had out there. I always, when I see new neighborhoods going in, I always love to stop and look and, and see what they're doing. Uh, it's a, it's amazing at the different building techniques you will see from the different builders, even in the same area. And that's one of the things, if you're going out to buy a new home, you want to be careful and take a look at. You are the HVAC expert, and I have a simple question for you. Last October, we had two new AC units installed. It is a running joke in our household among friends that we're making a monthly car payment with no new car. Should we buy the vinyl coverings that are available to protect the finish on these beauties during the winter when they're not in use? Any advantage or a waste of money? Love your show. You rock. Well, John, save your money. Buy something nice for Christmas. You don't need those covers. And quite frankly, if you put those covers on, it actually can be detrimental to the the unit because you are now, like I was just talking about a second ago with the humidity levels in a house, you're trapping moisture that actually could start pieces rusting sooner than they would if you just left it open to the air where it would dry. So absolutely don't bother putting those on. Save your money and buy something else nice. David, how can I help you? Hey, how you doing? Um, I've been renovating the outside of my house. Added a lot of rotten wood. I replaced siding, trim boards, spatial uh, insulation, and all the money I spent. It used to be years ago that when you uh, bought a house, you could deduct the work you've done on it. And I didn't know if refinancing, if they still had anything like that going on. Well, the normal tax deductions... Uh, are you know for deducting siding and things like that is if you're doing it on an investment property typically on your own home and i'm not a tax attorney but i've had a lot of rental properties and stuff over the years Uh, typically on your own home it's not tax deductible but make sure you track all that because if you ever sell the house everything that you put into fixing it up can come off of the sales price as far as when you ever do have to pay tax gains on it Uh, now if you uh, and i'm going to use round numbers you bought this house for 150,000 you fix it up you put another 25,000 into it um, you go and sell it for say 200,000 and you go buy another house for 200,000 or more you actually won't don't owe any capital gains at that time it's, not, it's only when you do your last house that you decide not to invest in a house or if you buy a less expensive house 
then you end up paying tax gains on that. But as long as you're rolling it into your next house, uh, you've got great tax deductions all the way through. Okay, great. Thank you. That you bet. Me a lot. All right. Take care, David. Mm-hmm. Beth, this is Jim. How can I help you? Uh, yes, I'm in the process of purchasing a new front door, and I was wondering what your advantage of, of metal over fiberglass or fiberglass over metal well, metal door. I like metal doors. I actually go with metal doors a lot. And if you're going to paint it, uh, the metal door is going to be nice and smooth and give you a nice clean look. If you want the wood look, then the fiberglass is typically better. Uh, especially if you want to go with one that's not painted and has more look of uh, stained wood. Yeah. Fiberglass is the way to go. I will tell you, fiberglass, uh, if it's going to be in direct sun, actually does a little better on the heat transfer than than the steel doors do as well. But the metal doors, you know, they're typically they're inexpensive. They hold up well, uh, and so they do a great job. Fiberglass doors are usually a little more costly. So unless you want the look of wood grain on it and a stained type look. I typically go with metal. Okay. Thanks a lot. You bet. You gave me, you gave me some good ideas. Thank All you right. So much. Take uh-huh. care, Beth. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.